And welcome, my friends, again to the Daily Gator Daily Thought. <clears throat> the post-Super Bowl Monday, I know I don't have a hangover edition, although a lot of people do have hangovers. How y'all doing? I'm not going to yell. Uh, unless you're an Eagles fan. If you're an Eagles fan, you deserve a hangover because you're an Eagles fan. The worst fans in all of sports. Eagles fans. A lot of great Eagles fans. But man, y'all tearing up stuff. Drunk. Stupid Eagle fans. That's why I hope the Eagles never win another championship. You thug Eagle fans. <clears throat> congratulations to the Chiefs. Uh, and a big time congratulations to Jalen Hurst, the quarterback of the losing Philadelphia Eagles, because he made a whole lot of money yesterday. His next contract, which is going to be next year, whoever it is with, it's going to be big. It's going to be real big. Uh, kind of contract that uh, is just going to be massive. And good for him. Uh, good for him. Now let's get right into this, my friends. Let's talk about, real quick here. <clears throat> uh, the other McCain reports something I know you know. We all know. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's degraded. Leftism always degrades everything around it and itself. The crazier they get, you know, more crazy is coming. It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet where they bring the meat around, right? And they carve it. You want chicken or pork or whatever, and they slice it off and give you what you want. It's like that, except they don't serve meats. They serve crazy <clears throat> with a capital K, crazy. Uh, the title of this piece by the other McCain is Everything. And I mean everything is white supremacy inside America's new Maoist struggle sessions. Uh, you're probably looking at Vincent Lloyd, this picture of a man, uh, Professor Vincent Lloyd. Uh, the other McCain writes, you're probably looking at Vincent Lloyd and thinking, no way this guy could be an advocate of white supremacy because he clearly is not a white guy. Uh, but welcome to 2023 when everything. It's white supremacy. Lloyd is a professor at Villanova University and a leftist who last summer taught a seminar called Race and the Limits of Law. In a six-week course at Cornell University for high school seniors sponsored by the Telluride Association. In an amazing article for Compact Magazine, a black professor trapped in racist hell is the title of it. Lloyd describes how his seminar was wrecked and ended prematurely after his teenage students became radicalized in a quote anti-racism workshop that was held during the same telluride sponsored summer program for high schoolers one of the leaders of the anti-racist workshop uh, whom lloyd calls keisha he describes thus a recent graduate of an ivy league university mentored by a television celebrity black intellectual keisha was planning to devote her life to transforming the academy in the direction of black justice. Now, one thing you need to know about the left, anytime they, they attach a word and then the next word is justice, economic justice, environmental justice, this justice, that justice, it is foul with the stench of Marxism. It is a failure. It is a disaster. It will be a plague upon society like everything else communism does. So just understand anything justice 
if the, if the left is telling you something, Justice, run like hell. Because the crazy is coming and coming soon. Now, what Lloyd discovered was that in the hands of such ideologues, anti-racism is a cult. And he offers this example of his operation. I mean, this guy is a leftist. Okay? I wouldn't even call him a liberal. He's a leftist. And they came after him. Listen, this is what happened, according to Professor Lloyd. In their transformative justice workshop, my students learned to name harms. This language and the framework it expresses comes out of the prison abolition movement. Yes, people want to empty the prisons. That's what they want to do. They want to empty the prisons, and then, of course, they would arrest homeowners and, and innocent people who defended themselves, I'm sure, because racism or something. Instead of matching crimes with punishments, abolitionists encourage us to think about harms and how they can be made, right? Often through inviting a broader community to discern the impact of harms the reason they came about and passed forward. In the language of the anti-racism workshop, a harm becomes anything anything that makes you feel not quite right. Kind of like Aunt Martha's questionable stuffing at Thanksgiving. What the the hell did she put in there? And why do I need to go to the bathroom again? For a 17-year-old at a highly selective, all-expenses-paid summer program, newly empowered with the language of harm, there are relatively few sites at which to use this framework. My seminar became the site at which to try out and weaponize this language. During our discussion on incarceration, an Asian-American student cited federal inmate demographics. About 60% of those incarcerated are white. Uh, The black students said they were harmed. So someone quotes stats. Other people don't want to hear them for whatever reason. You just harmed me. I mean, harmed you. What What sense does that make on any level? None. It's madness. But these... These absolute walking brain-dead idiots actually believe it. These are the closest thing to zombies you'll ever get, my friends. Now, the black students said they were harmed. They had learned in one of the workshops that objective facts, listen closely, are a tool of white supremacy. Outside of the seminar, I was told the black students had to devote a great deal of time to making right the harm that was inflicted on them by hearing prison statistics that were not about blacks. So you can be anybody, but if you quote stats that aren't about blacks and a black person doesn't want to hear it, then you just harmed them and you must pay. Run like hell, the pitchforks and torch crowd is coming for you, basically. A few days later, the Asian-American student was expelled from the program. Get the heck out of here. You said something somebody didn't like. You harmed them. This is sick. Deeply, deeply sick. And it will get worse. It will get more dangerous. How far are we, literally? And I mean this literally. How far are we from executing people, maybe burning them at the stake for saying something that someone took offense to, if it's the right kind of person taking offense, of course. 
How far are we away? And that's a serious question. You need to start asking yourself. The other McCain writes, give me that student's name so I can recruit him to become, <laughs> to become a Republican Party operative. There is nothing that age GOP youth recruitment quite as much as a nightmare experience of students coming face-to-face with the campus left. I believe he raises an excellent point there. That's how Trump advisor Stephen Miller became such a dangerous right-winger, you know. He was at Duke University when the infamous 2006 lacrosse team gang rape hoax, and it was a hoax, uh, went down, and it forever altered his worldview. The more the left increases its ironclad grip on academic, the crazier the campus climate becomes, and the only way to protect your sanity is to join the Republican Party. Also, to listen to this podcast. From the account of his experiences at this Telluride summer program, Professor Lloyd may be considering a shift to the GOP. If, quote, objective facts are a tool of white supremacy, then every rational person must become a white supremacist. Yes, even you black people can be white supremacists too. That's sick. This is how twisted they are, though. It doesn't seem to occur to the left, McCain writes, that by embracing such radical nonsense, they're creating their own enemies. Maybe they get off on it. Uh, The type of radicalism that took hold during the Telluride program bears a close resemblance to the Maoist, quote, cultural revolution of the 1960s when those suspected of insufficient communist zeal were forced to denounce themselves in public in what they called struggle sessions. And a little bit about that, the most violent aspects of the campaign in China, Maoist China, included incidents of torture, murder, and public humiliation. Uh, Many people who were indicted as counter-revolutionaries died by suicide. During the red August 1966 in Beijing, uh, 1,772 people were murdered. Many of the victims were teachers. Is the teachers' union listening? Were teachers who were attacked and even killed by their own students. In Shanghai, there were 704 suicides and 534 deaths related to the Cultural Revolution in September in Wuhan. Well, doesn't that uh, place ring a bell, that name? There were 62 suicides and 32 murders during the same period. And as Mr. McCain notes, things haven't become that bad on U.S. campuses yet. And please go read the whole thing. Uh, It is linked at the Daily Gator, and it is up at the other McCain. Everything is white supremacy inside America's new Maoist struggle sessions. Great piece. You need to read it, my friends. Now, let's move to uh, to an actress that's offended. She is hurt. She has angst. She has who knows. Uh, but she's not happy with you. If you didn't see her movie, that's the greatest movie ever, apparently. Then she big mad at you because you racist. Racist bad. Uh, front page magazines. Ha- <clears throat> front page magazine has the piece. And they write, uh, Daniel Greenfield, this is writing, I do believe. Make sure here. Yes, it is. Racism has become a conspiracy theory. Like most leftist conspiracy theories, the conspiracy used to generate instant victimhood tethered to a sense of perpetual entitlement. If you don't have everything you want, you know what is to blame. Speaking of, here's CNN. 
for her powerful and moving performance as Mamie Till Mobley in Till, a movie about Emmett Till's death, Danielle Deadweiler was nominated for a BAFTA Award, a Critics' Choice Movie Award, a Screen Actors Guild Award, and several, several other industry prizes. So apparently a lot of people liked her performance. Uh, that happens, Greenfield writes, to plenty of directors, actors, etc. They get nominated for some awards, but not others. Funny how that works. Then people like me never get awarded for anything, no matter how, how great we think we are. Uh, there was one notable award for which this woman was overlooked. The Big Daddy, I guess, the Oscars. Uh, attention shoppers, Greenfield writes, we have a racism incident in Privileged Celebrity Section 3. But since racism is becoming passe, let's trot out a new academic term. Uh, academic, another word the left hides behind. Deadweiler attributes a snub of her acting greatness. It's a greatly great actress she is. Uh, she attributes a snub to systemic racism and misogynoir. Misogynoir. That's kind of like misogyny, but different. This is a term coined by black feminist scholar Moya Bailey to refer to a distinct form of misogyny. It's kind of like misogyny, but different. Uh, that is experienced by black women as a result of how their race and gender and gender intersect. You know, these people are too worried about everything, all their all identities, and how they intersect, and how this, oh, the wind was blowing east, and I walked outside, and I couldn't take it. It was racism for the weather, climate, massage of climate change is what it was, based on my gender and climate change. That's it. These people be crazy, okay? Crazy with a capital K, crazy on steroids. Pumped up to nuclear grade level, my friends. But they actually believe this crap. That's the scary part. The whole point of identity politics, Greenfield writes, is to generate infinite divisions. So hopefully some black, gay, feminist, disabled scholar will come up with, with a specific term for the interaction uh, of black lesbians in wheelchairs. Huh. How about the Roland sisters? Sounds like a sounds like a rock group. Maybe uh, Miss Gay Cherry. <laughs> oh, that Greenfield's a great writer. Sure, it sounds dumb, but we'll be able we'll all be expected to use it by next week or be canceled. We're talking about people, this woman said, who perhaps listen to this. She's angry that she hasn't gotten nominated for more awards, even though she got tons of nominations. We're talking about people who perhaps chose not to see the film. Well, how dare they? They probably did other things this past year that you didn't approve of. Should they, why don't you post your number and everyone can call you and ask you what we should do every day of our lives. You snobby bitch. We're talking about people who perhaps chose not to see the film. We're talking about Mr. Noir. It comes in all kinds of ways. She said on an episode of the podcast, Kermode and Mayo's take. Uh, which was released Thursday. Whether it's direct or indirect, it impacts who we are. Uh, excuse me, waiter. My broccoli's not green enough. You're a racist. You should be fired. I want new broccoli greener. Now, damn it. 
People who chose not to see the film, but why? What, because they're racist or misogynist, which still sounds like someone from South Florida trying to buy a massage chair. Uh, it does, doesn't it? Uh, think about that level of entitlement and destructiveness. Deadweiler knows that there's no downside to making false accusations of racism. That's true, and that's the problem. No one ever makes these people pay a price. They should be made to pay the price for lying and smearing people and, and leveling false, ugly false charges. It will boost her name recognition. It will make Hollywood more likely to bend over backwards for her. And just maybe, maybe there ought to be some, you know, some, some pushback there. The media is overrun with hucksters constantly using accusations of racism to cash in while feeding the false notion that the country and most of its people are racist. Every time the media pushes this button, life gets worse for everyone, and yet there's no reason for the Sharptons, Kendys, and Deadweilers not to push it. It's like uh, take a free shot. No harm will come to you. It's a big golden button that showers down gobs of cash and fame every time you push it. It would take a strong sense of morals and ethics not to do it. What we need is to eliminate the incentive. Until we do, the fake crisis is going to get worse. Absolutely correct. Problem is, there's too many people invested in it. And the media loves it. <clears throat> now, I posted this yesterday evening, I think right before the Super Bowl, on the, uh, on the Daily Gator. And it came from Moon Battery. Or Dave Blunt wrote, Jesus would not be welcomed in a society dominated by moonbats. Not even curing the blind would win him favorable coverage from the liberal media. It would be denounced as thought crime, more specifically, ableism. Uh, the website TechCrunch has this story, and they explain the situation this way. The biggest problem with wanting to, quote, cure blindness is that it reinforces a moral superiority of sorts by those without disabilities over those who are disabled. So basically there was a guy who had a lot of money, paid for a lot of people to get surgery to cure their blindness so they could see. And this person who is disabled, who wrote this, doesn't think that's right. They don't like it. They're angered by it. So... Helping blind people to see, did, did this person go out, I wonder, before I wrote this and, and, you know, interview a bunch of blind people and say, if you could be cured and someone would say, I want to pay for your surgery, this will cure you of blindness, you'll be able to see, would you take that offer or not? I guarantee you most would. But this person is upset by it. Here's a rich person being charitable, doing God's work. Curing the sick, curing the blind, giving vision to the blind. And somehow that's about moral superiority and white supremacy somehow. <clears throat> that's unbelievable. Uh, he continues, although not confronted nearly as often as racism or sexism, systemic ableism is pervasive through all parts of society. Again, curing blind people because you have the, the funds to be able to do that, being charitable, being kind, somehow that's as bad, almost as bad, as actual sexism or racism. That's sick, my friends. These people have lost their damn minds. If they ever had them, they've lost them. 
Uh, Again, although not confronted nearly as often as racism or sexism, systemic ableism is pervasive through all parts of society. The fact of the matter is that the majority of able people view disability as a failure of the human condition. As such, people with disabilities should be mourned and pitied. More pointedly, disabilities should be eradicated, cured. Do you like that some people have disabilities? Whoever wrote this, I'm not going to mention your name. You don't deserve it. Okay? You don't because you're a jackass. So people with disabilities, if someone helps them not to have that disability or eases it, so I guess we should find out who invented the wheelchair, crutches, uh, walk-in showers, uh, handicap ramps, wheelchair ramps, and we should what? Handicap parking stickers? We should punish those people for doing it because really they're just a bunch of racists and sexists. They're just picking on disabled people by helping them. Do you understand the depth of idiocy that you have to achieve in life to believe such horse hockey? <clears throat> this is sick. We have it for uh, obesity. Yes, people offer advice and how do you lose weight? How do you get in better shape? Prolong your life, improve your health. A lot of times they're criticized by these types of people. Who are you to tell anyone they're fat? Well, I think that a person on as a video series or whatever, a personal trainer, they, they're helping people be healthier. If that person chooses to pay them, they will help them. What is wrong with that? Or should we make everyone fat? Should that be the goal? Is that, it, should that be the way to go through life? Fat, stupid, and drunk, perhaps? Like from Animal House? There's no way to go through life, son. But yet the left, some of them anyway, love it. Truly, truly, truly digging in the pit of madness, as I put it at the Daily Gator yesterday. And one more story here, my friends. This one is is tough. A story is by Hannah Grossman. Found this at msn.com. A pre-kindergarten teacher, keyword pre-kindergarten, in other words, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, four-year-olds, three-year-olds, an early childhood professor. So this person is a, I'm a kindergarten teacher and an early childhood professor. How about those apples? Uh, repeatedly attacked the idea of childhood innocence. Most kids are, you know, childhood innocent. They are connected. Because children do many things innocently, not knowing the harm, because they're just little children. Uh, and claim that early childhood teachers should introduce children to, can you guess what I'm going to talk about now? What do you think this person believes that we should introduce very young children to? At the youngest ages, according to him. Well, Fox News Digital found out the answer is gender ideology. That's right. Let's, I just thought of this gender. We know what gender is, at least what it is really in real life. But gender ideology is so that's an ideology, your belief system that matches up to your gender. Complete lunacy, my friends.
Uh, William Willie Villapando works at Santa Ana College in California where he teaches early child development. He also indicated on his Instagram that he has a pre uh, that he is a pre-kindergarten educator. Now this individual who uh, wants to teach very small children gender ideology, uh, Willie Villapando, who works at, again, Santa Ana College. Uh, Fox News found out that he had worked uh, in the Rialto Unified School District pre-K division from 2016 through at least June of 2021. The latest date California updated teachers' records. It is unclear whether Villapando continued to work in the district for, for the 2022-23 academic year, but they refused to respond uh, when Fox News reached out to Villapando's Rialto district email address, it was not returned to sender. In 2020, Villapando <clears throat> called the idea of childhood innocence an example of mythology. Well, again, that shows he is a complete moron, doesn't it? Because children do things without any, any idea of their harming you, they're playing. And, you know, anybody who's ever played with a toddler knows that, you know, the toddler may throw something at you, hit you in the head. The, the child means no harm. They're innocent. They don't, they're not aware of what they're doing. Uh, he said there's a common mythology that children live in this world of pure innocence. You know, by introducing them or exposing them to real world adults or somehow shattering this illusion for them. No, it's because, idiot, the adults are different than children. And some things that children shouldn't hear, adults can handle. And, you know, understand what I'm saying. God, I hope so. But I don't think he does. I think he may be too far gone uh, down the politically correct well out there digging in the pit of eternal liberal stupidity. But... There's some things you you don't explain to children in the same way you do an adult. For very good reasons. Uh, he says, therefore, this is a banning of topics and issues that children should not be exposed to as if they are not experiencing them already. On another occasion, he said he is tired of the childhood innocence argument. Stop blaming a phenomenon that doesn't exist. Again, the real world would disagree with you, Mr. Villapando. He went on to attack the idea that children shouldn't be exposed to sexuality, claiming that such a view is very, are you ready? Christian, white, upper-class, cisgendered, and heterocentric. And there happens to be a picture, God help my eyes, of Mr. Villapando. And he looks like, uh, well, he could lose a couple hundred pounds. Uh, he could uh, maybe have someone do something with his hair and beard, which any number of animals could be living in this beard. Uh, he also said queerness and sexuality need to be discussed in classrooms. Uh, sounds like he has an agenda to to teach children about his uh I don't even look, look at this guy and think sex life. Dear God, help me. Somebody give me some, some brain scrubber or something. Uh, not talking about queerness in the classroom is not letting children be children. 
children of the age we're discussing, of course, aren't sexual creatures. They're little children. They don't think about things like that. Okay, when they get to be teenagers, totally different story. This is, this guy has abnormalities. Maybe he's, uh, maybe he's a little too much into children. I don't know. I'm not accusing. I just have to wonder because he seems a little too eager to teach very, very, very little children about, you know, sex and queerness. It's telling those people, he says, they do not deserve to exist. What a horse shit. I'm sorry, but that's horse, you know. Manure. How is it telling kids they don't have a right to exist? They're little kids. They have no clue. But this pervert wants to poison their minds. This guy who's so hung up on his own mental failings and mental illness, quite frankly, uh, that he wants to make sure children never look at him and think that maybe he's a little off. Maybe he ain't got a dozen eggs in his little carton. That now costs about eight bucks, I hear. Thanks, Joe Biden. In September 21, he said, kids are never too young. Yeah, and uh, you're probably never never uh, safe from their fathers and mothers either, if you get near them. Uh, let's work to deconstruct some of our own biases, he said. Adults incorrectly link discussions on sexuality and gender as equating to discussions about sex. Uh, the early childhood educator, excuse me, that, that really should read early childhood indoctrinator, shouldn't it? Um, he said in November of 2022, uh, there's a podcast of rainbow parenting. Oh, let's get all the colors in a rainbow and let's parent as rainbows because we're raising little rainbows. God, that we have so many people who tell us that this is inappropriate stuff and we can, excuse me, we have so many people who tell us that this is inappropriate stuff we can talk about. And so I'm like, hey, no, we can't talk about this. The teacher went on to say that if parents didn't have the conversations with kids, it was up to teachers and foster classroom environments uh, to make, uh, to excuse me, to may make others uncomfortable. Again, I don't think he spoke very clearly there. Just reading the quote is one of those quotes you read and you go, what the hell does that even mean? So in other words, if the parents don't do it, it's the state's job. That's right. Mr. 400-pound pervert with uh, 18 squirrels living in his beard tells us this. And hey, he's perfectly normal. Look at him. Uh, children who are exposed to environments with more fluid understandings of gender are more likely to understand that gender is fluid. Well, he just said two crazy things in one sentence. Let's all give him a round of applause. He added that educators should talk to little kids about queerness, even if parents have avoided the topic. You know, the idea that you should see how parents raise their kids, not approve, and then go behind a parent's back to brainwash their kids. That's You're walking on a very dangerous side of parents. Okay, do you understand me there, fat boy? You and the 18 squirrels living in your beard, screaming to get out, probably. 
parents, he said, haven't already had conversations about these things with their kids, that kids don't know that they might be intersex, that they might be a gender, non-binary, and really children have a right to see themselves in our classrooms. What in the hell did this idiot just say? Uh, he said, it's not okay to just forget about them or push them out just because it might make us uncomfortable or make others uncomfortable. Maybe there's certain topics that shouldn't be a, a discussed with small children. Maybe that's it. And maybe you should respect parental rights. And maybe, maybe you really shouldn't be anywhere near a child. According to this, uh, this individual, this early childhood ed educator talking to children about gender includes telling them that is a social construct. You're going to have that to discuss with a three-year-old, a two-year-old. Oh, God. We are living in crazy times, my friends. Uh, this alongside teaching children to ask others for their pronouns, because every two-year-old does that, don't they? Sure. Uh, trust me when I say children get this much, uh, so much faster than adults give them credit for. Let kids practice with you, he said. He's talking about brainwashing children. Can I call him a fat bastard communist yet? Uh, Villapando's social media accounts went dark after Fox News, News Digital reached out for comments. What are you trying to hide? Okay, we know about the 18 squirrels living in your beard, screaming to get out. We know about them. All right, Mr. Uh, Mr. Junior Whale. Children are exploring and understanding gendered association before they say their first words, he said. The crazy is deep with this one, my friends. Around three to four months old, infants show a sex and gender preference in who they look at. At three years old, a child can label their perceived gender identity. He said, by four, children have a stable sense of their gender identity and have assumptions and beliefs of what they can and cannot be based on their gender, i.e. dolls for boys, cards are for, uh, excuse me, dolls are for girls, cards for boys. Uh, well, if you give the kid a Barbie with the new Mustang, the Mustang Barbie, that's a girl doll with a car. So wouldn't that confuse the child? Or maybe they'd be bisexual if, if they wanted that toy. Is that what you're telling us there? Again, this guy, nowhere near children. Uh, there are other teachers in California. <laughs> of course, it's California. Uh, have raised the topic of gender ideology in her classroom. A, a California teacher named Olivia Garrison bragged about helping students hide their social transitions from parents. Fox News Digital found that Garrison, a ninth grade history teacher, worked at Del Oro High School, located in Kern High School District. And, uh, well, she looks like a colorful character. Uh, social transitioning is a first step for transgender children. It entails adopting new names, pronouns, changing their clothing, and getting haircuts to match a preferred gender expression. Again, they're brainwashing kids. They're evil. They do not belong anywhere near, near children. Period. End of story, my friends. Truly sick, my friends. Truly sick. I am done. I can't do anymore. I'm going to get a headache from talking about these freaks of nature. Uh, if you want to learn more, uh, Fox News had the story. Pre-K teacher attacking the idea of childhood innocence. Claims toddlers are not too young for sexuality discussion. Han uh, Hannah Grossman uh, wrote the story. 
uh, go give it a read. I'll be back tomorrow, my friends. God bless you. Thank you. Be good to yourselves. If you're left, you just ain't right. God bless America. And go Gators. We'll talk to you manana. Peace out, bitches.